0: This is On Point. I'm Magna Chakrabarty. Video games. You probably play them, right? Well, if not you, I will bet that someone very close to you does. Because more than 3 billion people around the world do, according to the Amsterdam-based data firm Newzoo. And the games vary wonderfully and wildly. There are mobile games like Cat Snack Bar, where you are a restaurant tycoon who also happens to be a cat, and you take orders, cook food, and serve guests. And then there are, of course, the console games like Red Dead Redemption, a Western adventure set in the American Southwest and Mexico, and in that one, you're a former outlaw hunting down your old gang members. Then... There is the beloved Italian plumber Mario. Since his first appearance in 1981 in the arcade game Donkey Kong, Mario has spawned more than 200 games of various genres and subgenres. And get this, as far back as 1990, a survey found that Mario was so popular, kids back then recognized him more often than they did Mickey Mouse. So all of this is to say that video games are a big business, they're a huge business in fact. Worldwide, the gaming market is expected to hit roughly $190 billion dollars in revenue this year. The gaming industry makes more money than Hollywood. It makes more money than North American sports. So why, as of late, have gaming companies been laying off people at an unprecedented level. Industry estimates show that around 8,000 developers have lost their jobs this year. That's a massive spike from previous years. So what is actually going on? That's what we're going to want to explore today. And we'll start with Diana Laura. She's worked in the gaming industry for about a decade and a half. And until recently, she was the former senior licensing producer and production manager for the game Star Wars Hunters. Star Wars Hunters, I should say. That's the full name. And that was at the company Zynga. Diana, welcome to you. Oh, thank you for
1: having me. This is a delight. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well um, I uh, am not really an intense gamer, but I have been watching in awe as the industry has been growing <laughs> since uh, that those early Mario days, which I don't want to date myself by saying that I, in fact, played that game. Um, but di- okay. <laughs> But Diana, I actually want to start at the beginning of your career, That that about yeah. decade and a half ago. What was the first game that you worked on?
1: Well, um, I actually started out in um in theater uh-huh. uh, so uh, i I went to school for for musical theater um and um from there uh, actually was a, a an early day content creator press type person so that was those were my early days in um in gaming, my first official game was a Japanese mobile gaming company that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, <laughs> we want to talk about the volatility of the industry. But uh, it's this Japanese, Japanese mobile gaming company. So I was making uh, otome games for women, like uh, uh, drama, romance type games uh, for the mobile. Wow. Uh, for the mobile
0: market. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Okay. And so what drew you into sort of moving into the industry full time? Like what was it about it that made it an exciting place to be?
1: Oh, I just love it. I mean, it really comes from I think that the the that the gem of being in theater a bunch of creative weirdos coming together making awesome things and putting it out into the world I mean what's not to love about that it's the same it's the same concept of when you're making a, a show um, on Broadway or when you're mm. uh, when you're making a movie or when you're making music it's just it's it's that creative outlet you can't
0: you, it, it's you, it's a bug you love it yeah well so actually now that you mentioned movies <sighs> audiences for films have been, like very very habituated for a long time that they know mm-hmm, credits are mm-hmm. going to come at the end right so they mm-hmm. see, they know that it takes hundreds and hundreds of people to make one movie right whether yeah. or not they sit around for the credits can you give us a sense as to how many people it takes to make a modern day uh let's say like you know big headlining video yeah. game
1: like a blockbuster type yeah. game i mean it could you could easily say it's hundreds it arguably like a like at least 500 to 1,000 people. I mean, it really depends on what you're making. Um, But, you know, you have uh, the concept of uh, these blockbuster games that need many studios that... Um, that need a lot of people and a, need a lot of expertise to sort of put it out p- to to make the cool things that we, that we're playing and that we're seeing and makes that make the water shimmer and makes the mm-hmm. the, the, the the characters hair you know flow um, that all that takes a group of people to make um, and so you know you could you, you could argue it, it it really depends it really depends because right. there are there are games that take you, you can that make one person makes it you know a group of 10 um but you know it could be up, up upwards to to the hundreds of yeah thousand.
0: so in that case it's very similar in terms of the variability of how much uh, talent it takes just like we see you yeah. know in in films okay well mm-hmm. so um you're you're a gamer yourself too right yeah I am. okay yeah, can I you am. would you mind naming like one or two of your favorites
1: Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with Baldur's Gate 3 right now. They just released a patch, so I need to jump back in. But um, uh, it, so I'm obsessed with Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I'm I'm playing like Dave the Diver. Um, occasionally playing Diablo with my with my partner. Um, I, I played like I have like a cycle of games that I kind of go through because um, <laughs> my backlog is ridiculous. There are too
0: many games coming out right now, so
1: <laughs> it's 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 a, it's always a good time.
0: It's always something to do. Okay, so. The- But you're not working for Zynga anymore. No, not anymore, no. What happened? I got laid off, which is the
1: part of part of the industry, right? I mean yeah, you 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 make a game and and then eventually you you get laid off. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. It's very dark.
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you can laugh about it because it's you know, the only way to push to. back the darkness. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, did that come in sort of an expected round of layoffs from Zynga, or is it did the game? Was it uh, finished? And then the, there's churn naturally. I mean, how, how did it happen?
1: It, you know, it was unexpected. It's, you know, the you, you kind of. Uh, I think at this point we're we're starting to get wise. At least the developers are. We're starting to get wise that when the third quarter hits, um, if things are 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 looking looking scary that you know there's a slight possibility that layoffs may happen you have your you know you have your your town halls and you have your meetings Mm -hmm. with your with your leads and uh they're like no you know we're, we're we're projecting record profits everything looks fantastic everything looks great and the next thing you know like a week later uh you know you're 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 being brought into a room with with HR, and they're like, hey, thanks, but, you know, you've been let go for redundancy, and you're like, wait a minute, hold on a second, I thought we were struggling. Yeah. <laughs> How am I redundant? Well, the, we, game, <laughs> the game
0: that you were working on, Star Wars Hunters, was mm-hmm. it done when you got laid off or not?
1: No, it's still in the middle of production, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so help me understand something. We're going to talk yeah. with a reporter who covers uh the gaming industry extensively in just in just a minute here. Yes. But yes. was the mess- so uh, so you were saying the message you were getting was uh things are going well for the company, but then you got laid mm-hmm. off, what, like a week yeah. or two later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Okay. And how many of your fellow of your colleagues got laid off too?
1: Um you know, I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I know there was a handful of us, but uh, I, I sincerely don't know. It, it It's uh, much as, as as we know the of the 8,000 people that have been laid off, it could be potentially even more than that because, you know, there are a lot of companies that aren't, you know, uh, uh, aren't announcing layoffs mm. or, or, you know, or, or you have one person who disappears one day or five people who disappear another day. And then, you know you don't know you just don't know and then you know you also have like you don't want to say anything like bad about the company or you don't want to say hey i just got laid off because of the shame and stuff that comes along with it um and so so numbers may may
0: maybe even higher than than we we think well so diana does the industry from the point of view of the workers does Mm -hmm. it feel different now than it did when you first sort of dove into it that 15 ish years ago
1: I think so. It, it definitely bigger budgets, a lot more expectations. Um, you know, you know, games as a service, um, slash live service games, uh, where where you know instead of just having like a standard like one ga- year game that comes out. Remember, if we want to go back to like Super Mario Brothers, you have that one game, one and done. Um, but now you have these games that are like. You know, multi yeared, sometimes have 10 year plans. Wow. Um, so it's like, it, 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 so the expectation of an exponential growth, um, it, it makes it so that like the games like last longer, productions last longer, things cost more money, you know, the tech gets fancier so you need to have you need to have the hair that looks like it's real and it's blowing in the wind (laughs) so uh it it, um expectations in the gaming industry are are definitely higher so that's where you have like this uh you have like you know this sort of this disconnect of like we have you know we're they're saying record profits, lots of money is being made, lots of money being made. But then, however, you know, uh, it's also supposed to be super volatile, and they're, you know, investments in NFTs, Bitcoin, Metaverse, you know, and so the companies are hiring out to build out these indus- you know, those particular industries. The cost, the cost that it makes these games, like they're, like these are blockbuster games, like you know, tens to hundred million dollars. Yeah. So, Wow. Well, it's you a, know,
0: it's a lot different. We have about a minute uh, before <laughs> our our break, and and after that, we're going to get kind of a, a really deep business analysis of what's going on here. But cool. you know, Diane, I imagine that a lot of listeners, uh, gamers, are not right now, are just being like, yeah. Meh. So there's like tech layoffs going yeah. on, you know, all over different parts of the tech industry. And as a as a gamer, as long as the game comes out and I can play mm. it, like, so what's the big deal? Churn is churn. What do you, what mm. would you say to that?
1: I would say that that's an unfortunate thing. I think that you know you have it's it's an unfortunate thought process. You have a you have a situation where these games are being made under in some cases duress. Um we, we need to have some form of a of of a unification. I am I I'm very I'm very very vocal about talking unionization. The industry is still very uh, very young. We need to have some form of protections um because I personally don't feel comfortable playing games
0: where I know that people, the people who made it are under duress. Interesting. Again, it seems to me that there's a, a relationship to the entertainment industry as a whole, right? Because we just experienced mm-hmm. months-long uh, strikes, right? In, in Hollywood yeah. for people just trying to you know, put their foot down and say enough is enough. So looking at how that's playing out at, in the video game industry is what we're doing this hour. And when we come back after the break, we're going to uh, hear from a senior reporter who's taken many deep dives into the business of gaming. So that's when we come back. This is On Point.
2: That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D.
0: You're back with On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. And just a quick nod to what's happening over in our podcast feed. It is Friday, which means today we dropped the weekly JackPod. And that features On Point news analyst Jack Beatty and his really singular analysis of what's going on in American life today. And you'll really want to listen to this one because Jack talks about this question of Government's obligation or not to provide a certainty of existence—it's a really, really good episode of the Jack Pod. So head over to our On Point, um, uh, our On Point uh, podcast feed. If you haven't already, subscribe to it as well, so you won't miss an episode of Jack and his uh, view of the world today. Right now, we're talking about the giant spike in layoffs in the video gaming industry and what's driving that, trying to understand what's driving that given that uh, the gaming industry is as profitable as ever. I'm joined today by Diana Laura and until a little bit earlier this year, she worked as former senior licensing producer, I should say just worked as a senior licensing producer and production manager at the gaming company Zynga. Now, Diana, hold on for a second because it's time for me to bring in Nicole Carpenter, and she's a senior reporter at Polygon. It's a website covering video games and pop culture. Nicole, welcome to On Point.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So help us get a understanding of the shape of the industry, first of all. When I hear or read that 6, 7, possibly even 8,000 um uh, and people have been laid off in the gaming industry, it's hard for me to know if that's a significant number or not. Do we know about how many people overall are in the industry?
2: It's hard to say how many people are in the industry overall because beyond just the core development, there's support studios. There there's, there, are a ton of people. Um, but to put this into context, um I was looking over some sort of unofficial layoff trackers from years prior. In 2022, the kind of unofficial um, number there was 2,000 layoffs compared to, like you said, the 8,000, which honestly is probably a little bit low because companies don't report numbers all the time. Um, And uh, important context there, 2022 is also a volatile year for the video game industry. Um, So 2,000 layoffs, a little bit, uh, you know, that, that wasn't great to see either. Um, so it is safe to say that this year has been unpre- unprecedented for seeing these kind of layoffs.
0: Okay, good. That's that's important context, right? Because, you know, companies go through different cycles. But if we're mm-hmm. seeing a cross-sector a, a cross cycle or, or activity here, it's worthy of note. So... Obviously, I kind of want to understand what's driving this. Uh, for example, we, we reached out to a bunch of different companies for comment or see if they'd come on um, for this hour. M- almost all of them said no, and those include uh, <laughs> Niantic, Unity, Bungie, Embracer Group, Epic Games, ByteDance, uh, and EA Games. So let me just uh, focus on uh, electronic arts here for a second because a uh, little earlier this year— Around May, right? They gave us their fiscal year-end uh, finances, right? The picture of it, and and they said for this past fiscal year, EA had a 7.426 billion dollars in net revenue. So that's just for one company. Mm-hmm. But even but slightly earlier than that, just a, a month or two earlier than that, in March, EA said it was laying off six percent of its workforce. Mm. Is there an explanation for that, Nicole?
2: The explanation that companies are giving are the economic situation. And um, part of that is that games are bigger than ever. They're taking longer to make. They cost more money. And um, companies are looking to have less risk there. And so, you know, by decreasing headcount, it isn't an awful but sure way to, you know, Bring those profits up for shareholders um, but one of the other things that we're seeing is come down from the pandemic um, during the pandemic the gaming industry uh had a, a huge boom and since then um you know growth has slowed um however you mentioned the video game industry; it's valued at you know almost 200 billion it's like 184 mm-hmm. billion um it decreased in 2022 but it was still above, well above $100 billion. Um, But so anyways, what I'm trying to say there is that um, companies are seeing that decrease in revenue from the pandemic. They may be overhired there and are trying to kind of correct in that way. Um, they were looking for kind of that short-term profit rather than kind of that long-term sustainability. and And they're the The workers are paying for it now.
0: Mm. Okay, this is starting to sound familiar. And Diane, I hear you <laughs> Tell me yeah, what you I'm think. Yeah, I'm
1: moving. Well, I mean, I think I think she, you know, she's right. I think that also, you know, on top of that, I've also been in, you know, not in, in my last company, but in other other companies as well. I've been in the shareholders meetings where they're like profits are high, you know, record profits. They have layoffs, but then you know, you you, you it's time to vote for to, to see if the sh- if 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 the executives get their raise. So so I I think that there's a combination of yeah there there's an over um over uh you know Use of 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 the volatility of the investments of of all the all these different you know tech and things like that because obviously it, it takes it takes money it takes time it takes people um, and you know they're trying to they're trying to save money but at the same time you have the shareholders who are also asking for raises so you know where I I, I keep consistently saying the math isn't mathing mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you said you're telling me you're making a you're making a ton of money. Uh, you're telling me that you want a raise and yet um it takes you know it takes the my coworkers uh y- you know months sometimes years to get a raise um or to to, to take a day off <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's like what, like what are you what are you talking about here like that th- that doesn't make any sense um and so i think that that's where you have like a little bit of this indignant the indignancy of like this 8000 8, people uh, uh, getting being laid off and the frustration that comes from it, because, you know, these the the executives right now are are sitting are sitting up there and they're saying that, like, gosh, you know, if if only we could make more money. And it's just like, how much money, more money do you yeah. need, bro? Well, <laughs> that makes no sense. You know,
0: I uh, this is getting me thinking that perhaps and Nicole, is this a sign of sort of the. The maturation of the video game industry overall, mm-hmm. because all of the the things that we're talking about here can be applied to so many other uh, other industries, and they've sort of reached that point before. Like again, just sticking with EA as an example, when they announced that six percent job cut, uh, CEO Andrew Wilson uh, said that you know they wanted to drive a quote greater focus uh, across mm-hmm. their portfolio, and they were moving away from projects that did not contribute to their strategy. And I think most importantly, what they told to their shareholders is, yeah, they missed some quarterly estimates on revenue. So in order to maintain that return, I think that uh, shareholders were expecting, the easiest way to do that was to cut headcount. And you, I, I could just remove the phrase video gaming industry and replace it with almost any other, and it would sound mm-hmm. exactly the same. So is this just a, a maturation of the industry, Nicole?
2: You know, I'm not sure. Um I think that it is moving, you know, this is a reflection of what the tech industry is going through. But, um, you know, do you want the industry to continue to be volatile like that? Do you want the industry to continue be, to be driven by shareholder interest? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it's a maturation, and I'm also um, not sure if that's a path that the industry wants to continue down, at least, you know, when we're talking about the workers and not the shareholders.
0: Right, because you, you just— you. I was going to ask for a clarification on industry, but I appreciate that you beat me to it, Nicole. <laughs> well, so in terms of some of the impacts, layoffs plus working conditions that um that uh, that developers and and employees are seeing in the video game industry, Diana and Nicole, I wonder if you could just uh, mm. hang with me here for a minute and listen through a story uh, that's been been told or been told within the industry, but I want to share with listeners. And um, it's about a game called Cyberpunk 2077. And I know that's going to sound familiar to both of you. For those of you who don't know it, it's set in a very gritty dystopian world called Night City. And you as the player are a mercenary named V. And the goal of the game, more or less, is to try to keep your mind from being overwritten by an experimental biochip. Okay, so that's the premise of the game. And it was very, very anticipated because back in 2020, Cyberpunk was expected to be one of the best releases of that year. And the company behind the game, CD Projekt Red, had reportedly been working on the game for about eight years already. And in fact, Cyberpunk was so highly anticipated that at least one developer said they got death threats when the release date was pushed back. Well, finally, on December 10th, 2020, Cyberpunk 2077 got its big release. This game is an unfinished broken, buggy mess,
1: and you should not play it or buy it in its current state.
0: Today, we'll be counting down our picks for the top 10 hilarious Cyberpunk 2077 bugs and glitches.
2: It is not an exaggeration to say that I felt nauseated after playing because of the terrible frame rate. It really is that bad.
0: Okay, so clearly the release fell like a lead balloon, according to YouTubers Critical Nobody, Ricky with WatchMojo, and Destin Laguerre. It had problems. Among them, the scenery was slow to load. Non-player characters would stay stuck in a default T-pose with their arms stuck straight out to the sides. Trees defied the laws of nature, which might have been okay, given that this was an imaginary world, but gamers weren't having it. Tiny trees covered the map, growing through the floors, in vehicles, and even suspended in the air. Ricky with Watch Mojo there again. Well, Cyberpunk 2077 was so buggy that Sony pulled it from the PlayStation Store just days after the game was released, and that brings us to Paula Muskevich Armstrong. She watched the bad press roll in, and she works as a quality assurance coordinator at CD Projekt Red, and spent a lot of time on Cyberpunk.
3: It was hard. It was not a good time for anybody really we all felt like you know we failed and also that things were profoundly wrong during the development looking at the review scores was not a good feeling i had a policy of don't read the comments because just just
0: don't Paula says she and others at the company knew the game was not ready. The developers were crunching. That's where the team works basically around the clock to finish up a game, often working right up to the release. It wasn't enough. Though they asked for more time, they were told they had to meet the release date.
3: You work, 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 work. You have food at some point. You leave, you do barely anything before you go to bed and do it all again everybody is having problems and we're trying to work it out and support one another and then it's only after the crunch ends that you kind of realize the cost of I don't know I gained a few kilos because I wasn't eating well Like, my eyes are super strained. I am so tired and low energy. You kind of just go crashing down. After Cyberpunk
0: 2077 was pulled from the market, Paula and others kept working on improvements. CD Projekt Red released a number of bug fixes over the next couple of years. But something else also changed. Paula and her colleagues unionized under the Polish Game Dev Workers Union. And just a few months ago, an expansion game to Cyberpunk 2077, came out, and that's called Phantom Liberty. Reviews are good. It was even nominated for some awards, and Paula says she
3: hopes CD Projekt Red is taking notes. I think the company has learned that there is no magic solution to to make everything work out. Phantom Liberty, the expansion, definitely shows that the change to approach has worked and you know giving it as much time as it needed, uh, and it was a much better experience watching the review scores for for the expansion than
0: for the base game. That's Paula Maskaevich Armstrong, a quality assurance coordinator at CD project Red. Okay, Diana, let me turn to you because mm-hmm. you've lived this life. Yes, uh, talk <laughs> a little bit more about crunching. It seems like it's a part of uh, working in the industry already.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's right. <laughs> she's right. There's no, there's no other way to say it. She's, she's totally right. It's crunching is, is, is ridiculous. It's, um, it's, it's due to poor planning. It's due to uh, shareholder pr- pressure. Uh, you know, management pressure. It's um, promising, over promising. Um, from from management that then you know trickles down to folks like QA and folks like production and who need to sort of try and ma- manage these expectations that you know the, that the that the ma- that management has has given um, and the pressure that the shareholders want they they want their quarterly earnings to you know exceed the last quarter you know so it, it and, and what ends up happening is that it it's there's only so much that you can do. And, and there are only so many hours in the day and crunches is is the inevitable, the inevitable thing that happens. And crunch has broken up families it has delayed fam- you know people from having having children um you know uh, it, it's uh there there's been divorce there's been heart attacks there's been they're, they're like you know i don't want to say deaths but like it. it's it, but health issues so crunch is a is a thing that the industry mental health it, 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 it is is also is is that kind of is is layered into that um, that it, it, it's important and it's a thing that's a part of this industry where we need to have a serious, serious conversation about the the churn of talent that is burnt out. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, like anybody. <laughs> the joke is is that if you live, if you've been in the industry for more than five years, you're already a veteran <laughs> because <Wow. laughs> because if you can survive five years of development, then you can do anything. Um, I'm ancient. I am. You know, I'm falling and crumbling into dust at this point. There are some people, you know, who are and you've been in the industry for twenty, thirty years, and I'm like, how are you alive? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it. So it's a, it's a it's a thing. So crunch crunch is a, is is inevitable, uh, and but it shouldn't be, and it doesn't have to be, and we and um and we need to we need to stand up, and we need to like prevent that, um and. It's a it's a
0: it's a it's a common thing. Okay. Uh, Nicole, we have about 30 seconds before we have to take our next break. Um, Are there are there indications of any kind of change in the working culture in the industry? Uh, Given, you know, Diane isn't the first one to uh, to voice complaints over crunch culture.
2: Absolutely. Um, Over the past couple of years, the video game industry has pushed towards unionization and we see that change and we Mm -hmm. see workers um, having a Say in their working conditions. Okay, well, it's when, about
1: time.
0: Yeah, when we come back, I want to hear more about sort of the changes that are going on, but also dig deeper into you know why this is ha- is happening and such. What gamers and, and people outside the industry might think is such a vibrant uh, you know world right now. So we'll come back to that in a moment. This is on point. This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. And a quick note here because we want your input on a show we're working on uh, for the near future. And it's about how to talk with your kids or children in general about climate change. So if you're a parent or a family, an older family member or a mentor – How do you talk to to kids about climate change when they ask you questions about it? Obviously, this might be a big issue for teachers as well, if at all. So how do you respond to them? What do you say? If you're a young person listening, what kind of conversations do you wish you could have with the adults in your life about all the news that might be uh, storming your various feeds or just in the air about our changing planet? So share your experience by recording a message in the On Point VoxPop app. If you don't have it, once again, I ask you why. (laughs) But I'll give you a chance to go to wherever you get your apps and just search for On Point VoxPop. You can also leave us a regular phone message at 617-353-0683. So talking with kids, talking with young people uh, about climate change. And we're doing this show with the acknowledgement that kids have also been quite uh, profound leaders in uh, awareness about climate change as well. But today we're talking about massive layoffs in the video gaming industry, even as the industry continues significant growth, making it bigger than Hollywood or bigger than North American sports. I'm joined today by Diana Laura. She's been working in the gaming industry for about 15 years, until earlier this year when she was laid off from Zynga. And Nicole Carpenter is with us as well. She's senior reporter at Polygon. So uh, Diana and Nicole, we spoke with Rachel Sederberg, a senior economist and research manager at Lightcast, and that's a labor market analytics firm. And she helped us get kind of a bigger view here about layoffs across the tech industry as a whole. Obviously, we're talking about video gaming today, but people have heard of huge layoffs at places like Meta, Google, Amazon, Microsoft. Could that be, A, because of uh, high interest rates have to force some changes uh, in businesses, or could it be because of shifting priorities to less expensive efforts?
2: We saw huge, huge gains
1: in all of these companies or near all of these companies over the last few years in terms of bringing on new hires, trying different products and services. And so there's always going to be a period where the company takes a step back and assesses what their options are. It's not inherently that the
0: company's in trouble. So, Nicole Carpenter, what do you think about
2: that? Yeah, that's I, I absolutely agree with that because we see um, for the companies that are public, we can see uh, the profits. We can see that the companies are not struggling, um, but they are taking a look at, you know, the company assessing it and making those layoffs to, you know, Meet mm-hmm. the the needs that they've set out. So, what are they then
0: in the gaming industry? What are people, what are companies starting to focus on? Because I read that you know that statement from from EA, and uh, it implied that they were going to abandon projects that uh, didn't kind of match the direction they wanted the the company to go. Are, is that a sign of less experimentation and a move to like bigger mm-hmm. blockbuster games? What it what is that, Nicole? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, um, I think that, like we said before, you know, games are bigger than ever. They're more expensive than ever. They take longer to create, and so that inherently means less risk is going to be taken. You know, we're seeing games that are sequels. We're seeing games that are based on existing IP, so that there is much less experimentation. And I think Diana was making uh, was talking about live service games earlier, and mm-hmm. um, those are games that are designed to be played for a really long time, like Fortnite. Fortnite is um, a live. service risk Game it is continuously updated. They're not releasing new games, but they're releasing new things for that one game, um, and they have that player base already invested in that. Um, so you know you see you you see, you can see why they're investing in that because the player base is already there. But um, Epic Games was one of the companies that laid off a ton of workers, 900 workers actually, um, and then couple weeks later, announced that they had their biggest day in Fortnite ever.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, Diana, what's the impact of that on um, sort of what we want to believe is the inherent creativity, right, in Mm -hmm. in this industry? Because as I hear Nicole describe it, honestly, the first thing that jumps to my mind is, like, the Marvel Universe in films, right? There's there's going to be, like, an infinite number of Marvel films uh, because they— you know the studios know it makes money, but also to Nicole's point about Fortnite, uh, audiences are, are invested in mm. the Marvel universe. So you know f- to get moviegoers to come to the theaters, it actually makes sense for for the yeah. blockbusters to be you know just almost everything that they do. Is there any in yeah. the video gaming uh, world, Diana? Is there any consequence to that?
1: Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know you're, 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 you've just said it. It's really. Um, Listen, I understand companies want to, they're trying to make money. They're trying to, you know, prioritize, make, make, you know, things that are sure bets. And you can see that, you can see that happening in in the movie industry as well, where you have sequels, you have, you know, blockbuster movies that are are constantly being made. You want to get the sure bet. You want to get your money. Cool that's fine that's happening that's happening in in the industry as well in, in gaming um you know where you have uh, uh, even like to t- you know to t- on the other end of that live services actually now um, I think companies are also the gaming companies are also kind of looking at the the validity of of live service games. Like do we want to continue investing in, you know, creating a new live service game where, you know, where the market right now is um is is inundated in all of these different types of live service games. You like if somebody's going to be playing Fortnite, you know, and that's their main game you have to work extra hard to try and pull that person away from fortnite to play a different brand new type of game mm-hmm. so you know even the sure bets um and uh, uh, uh that you know where a lot of uh of you know my my friends and I in the industry and in, in the business side we're, we're talking about like games that were supposed to be sure bets and are supposed to be sure bets aren't sure bets anymore you know a game that like a couple of years ago you know if that had this that has the star power that has the you know the game mechanics that looks great that you know has has the money and the marketing to to get it out there even that's not a sure bet because you have to convince people to pull away from the game the live service games that they already have so it's a double edged sword you know, in in the midst of all this, the 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 saturation of these live service games. You know, now now these companies need to go. Well, crap! We just put ourselves in a position where anything new um, is is it's we have to work doubly hard to pull people away from the stuff that we made. Mm. <laughs> so, um, and that's what we're seeing. And so the so even listen, if we look at the, the positive aspect of this, where where we're going we, the, with the layoffs, people are going to still create people are still going to make new uh, new newer games people are going to make smaller games um and frankly i think that maybe that's where that's where the these companies should be focusing on they should be focusing on smaller games that don't take many 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 years and don't take multi studios and don't take you know thousands of people hundreds of people right. to make you know so that is that is the change that that i think the industry needs to uh, at least these executives um, need to sort of start thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, they may already. They they may be. Yeah. Um, well, let me so, just jump in
0: here because I have so many questions please. about what you just <laughs> said about smaller please. games, and I, let me turn back to Nicole for for a couple of them. One is that uh, I've been throwing around the names of some of the bigger right game uh, companies in the industry. Is this spate of layoffs um, also having an impact on I don't know independent developers
2: or smaller companies? It is having an impact on smaller companies as well. You can see um, layoffs across companies of all size. Um, you know, for a company about 100 people, um, one that comes to mind is Ascendant Games. It was still a video game that cost a lot of money to make, but um, a smaller studio compared to others, they laid off half of their staff. Um, but even studios that are smaller, that are within the dozens, some of them are shutting down entirely. Um, mm-hmm. we, we can see that across across the industry, Um in studios of all sizes. Okay, for the smaller studios, and why are they, I'm still not
0: clear about why they're shutting down entirely. Is it that they're not as profitable as they want it to be, or are they being out-competed? What is it?
2: Yeah, I think it is about being, um, about the competition in the industry, but it's also about um, the people who are investing into those studios mm-hmm. are making less investments as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they don't have the, Money coming in that they might have, um, okay. um, and, and the indie game space is where you see all that innovation. It's the more experimental area, and um, yeah. they need that support from the investments on the outside.
0: I got it. So, so uh, investors not making their expected return. Well, let's actually put a pin in that because um, it has a lot to do with what uh, what uh, Rachel Cedarberg told us as well. She was the she's the senior economist and research manager at Lightcast. And she told us that, look, these decisions, uh, these managerial and labor decisions are not being made in a vacuum. We've mentioned that uh, this is going on across the tech sector and um, leaders being aware that other companies are also sort of tightening their workforce could be playing a role, at least subconsciously.
1: There might be some thought towards, okay, well, my competitors are behaving in this manner So maybe I should think strategically about, is this the right decision for my company? And so they want to be as competitive as possible. And those strategic moves that company A makes, company B has to take into account when they're thinking of how competitive can I be
2: in this space where there are many, many players.
0: So, Nicole, the question that comes uh, into my mind after listening to Rachel is, is uh, even though we've been, you know, in a sense, focusing on, well, are companies making their quarterly return? Are they missing it by a little? And the short-term decision-making that comes out of that, in a sense, there's a form of long-term decision-making that also has to be made here because, look, if shareholders do not get their expected return or investors, right, in in, uh, in smaller independent uh, developing com- developer companies – what happens is yeah they they pull their funding or share price goes down and if you're a CEO of a company and that happens you're thinking well it's going to be a lot tougher for me to raise capital in the next quarter <laughs> or in the next year to work on these you know these games that we don't know what the return would be because they're not automatic blockbusters there is a connection there which doesn't necessarily have to do with, like, personal greed in terms of what a CEO might make mm-hmm. and not treating their workers like they matter. But it's more of, well, yeah, if we're going to keep going in this competitive atmosphere, we have to make some tough decisions. What do you think about that?
2: Nicole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see you can see this happening um, and you can – I think the industry is so competitive and that's why you see the decisions um, like uh, uh, Rachel was saying with the companies that are um, seeing other people make make these decisions and then thinking, oh, I need to do that too. I think one of the earlier companies that did this was Microsoft. They laid Mm -hmm. off 10,000 people and Mm -hmm. hundreds of those were from the game industry as well. So I think that other companies were looking towards that. Um, They were looking towards even the company, the layoffs in the wider tech world, like Twitter as well. And, and those were also an impact. Um, Those also impacted the video game industry. Yeah.
0: And Diana, I'm sure you have a thought or two about what I just asked. So you (laughs) want to jump in?
1: No, I mean I agree. Again, I, I I understand the business part of it. I understand. I I understand all of that. I think. I think in the end of the day, you know, we th- these are the sort of things that the, the inevitability of business, and um, and I respect that. I understand that, but. What, but once again, I, I'm thinking about the workers. I'm thinking about the people that you know that are around me who are saying that they're stressed, yeah. um, and you know that they that they're sick, um, you know, or or whatever. And I, and those are the people that I'm thinking about. And I and and so like my brain. I understand the business side of it 100. I get the I get all of that. I get it. But you can't. You you literally you can't even. Uh, Think about the QA person who's working, you know, sixty to seventy hours for ten dollars an hour. Like you can't even think about that. Like, and this is where, like, not to not to bring it back again, but where we have to do, where we have to really think about worker protection, mm-hmm. um, and we have to think about these particular people who are, you know, who are killing themselves to 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 make these quarterly earnings. Yeah. Um. To to hit these numbers. Um. I, I, I said it earlier. The industry is fairly young. In in you know, and Hollywood has been around for a hundred a hundred plus years. You know, so they've had they've had the time to to sort of figure their stuff out. The the gaming industry we're at a point right now where we where we need to figure our stuff out and we need to start thinking about the future and how we take care of the people who work here because. Later, like you know, we're we're gonna have a brain drain. Like,
0: yeah, the people are. We're not gonna have people
3: mm-hmm. left.
0: I mean, actually, it's perfectly fine to, for you to bring it back to that because I think this is really one of the strongest undercurrents here. So interesting to me, Diana, that you came from the world of theater. Right yes. there, there is worker representation, obviously. In I'm, I'm a union member in, theater. <laughs> in, in the theater. Yeah, in theater. And uh, <laughs> when we talked to Paula um, about uh, about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. She they joined a union after that, and again mm-hmm. coming back to Hollywood, I've been talking about correction in terms of uh, you know f- financial corrections, right, and and mm-hmm. you know ten k forms of corrections that have to be reported to the SEC, but workers now in these yeah. media, entertainment, tech industries are also demanding a correction, right, and that that's mm-hmm. what's been going on in so many different places. So Nicole, do you, I don't see that as uh, abating, as as you said earlier. Do you think that that could have the potential to change how the, you know, the the big developers r- run their companies or the kinds of uh, products they expect to to put out?
2: Yeah, I do. I think that um, unions coming into these bigger companies uh, gives workers a seat at the table. It gives workers um, say in how they want to do that work. It might not impact decision making on that um that top level, you know, maybe not decision making on, uh, you know, what games are coming out of this, but I mm-hmm. think that it could help with timelines. It could help with, mm-hmm. you know, eliminating some of that crunch and um, protecting Severance workers minimums. from doing that. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, like, right. Severance exactly. minimums as well. Yeah. Yeah, health
1: insurance because a lot of people were laid off without health insurance. These are company transparency, salary transparency, because there's a there's a huge thing. I th- I think that we, we need to
0: have us these, these serious conversations. Yeah. Um well hopefully uh, we can keep doing them because like, this industry is is actually Huge and too important to not pay for, uh, closer <laughs> attention to. So, Diana Laura joining us from Austin, Texas today. Maybe. Diana, thank you so much. Thank you. My goodness. Wonderful chat. And Nicole Carpenter, senior reporter at Polygon with us from New Haven, Connecticut. Nicole, thank you so much for bringing your reporting to the show. Thank you, Magna. I'm Magna Chakrabardi. This is On Point.